Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Welcome, everybody, In the Booth. A dry and warm booth in a otherwise snowy city on this uh, Thanksgiving Eve. Good to have you along with us. Following up as we often do on Seth Sports Center. I too believe that we'll see Frank Howard in a uniform tonight and playing. He was uh, very active in practice yesterday. Does he uh, look top notch and ready to go and all of that? Uh, you know, maybe to the naked eye, the uh, like mine untrained eye. But we'll we'll see what he can contribute tonight. I think. Right away, you'll notice a, a difference, a maturity, and uh, somebody who is used to playing the point guard position, facilitating for others. And then let's just see if there's a response tonight from Frank Howard or from uh, Tyus Battle, rather, from Jalen Carey, the two guys that will be probably most affected by Howard's return now that they're in positions uh, where they're not handling the ball so much what can they now do how does the defense improve and I'll tell you this this looks to be the best Colgate team that's come in here in an awfully long time they're picked preseason third or fourth in the Patriot League behind uh, Bucknell is usually year in and year out the top of that league and then they're right behind they've got a first team all conference caliber player Will Raymond and then a guy that nobody knew to vote for is this Lithuanian transfer from Northwestern named Rapolis Ivanauskas. And in five games, which they've won four, he's had four double-doubles. So this guy can go. He's 6'10", 225, can shoot it a little bit. And uh, they will provide a, a bit of a challenge, I think. They're the type of team that if you give them, it'll test the defense this way. If Colgate has quality looks, they're going to make their share. And that's going to put some pressure on uh, Syracuse to keep up the scoring and for the defense to be really sharp and to end the defensive stands with rebounds. You know, in years past, if Colgate didn't have much of a presence under the basket, they typically have not shot a high percentage here. So that's all well and good. There's a lot of defensive rebound opportunities. And if Syracuse didn't get the rebound, they just blocked the shot of the guy who did. You know, that's probably not going to happen uh, with the same regularity tonight. So that's something to look forward to uh, in the game here. Syracuse obviously still heavily favored against Colgate, looking to get to 3-2 and two, and then back on the road next week against a major conference opponent. They take on Ohio State in the ACC Big Ten Challenge next Wednesday night in uh, Columbus. Looking forward to that. Spent some time with Coach Babers this morning. He was just off the practice field readying his team for Boston College, and you know the drill. He's not going to tip his hand on Wednesday of the practice week who his quarterback is. It sounds like Eric Dungy, first of all, he's president practice, which is not a stunner, but is attempting to take on more and more, but that the effort in practice is really to get Tommy DeVito ready, and it's not solely because 
of the likelihood or lack thereof that Dungey can go. But it's because what, what does Dungey's a veteran at this point? He's seen just about everything. He's a four year starter. He's well groomed in the system. It's not like he necessarily needs to see more mental reps in practice. Tommy DeVito does. So this week's practice is about gearing DeVito for the Boston College game if he needs to go. And I think you have to prepare as if he is the starter. It's not just Tommy who says that. Everybody else has to prepare uh, to go into the game with the backup. And if Eric Dungey wakes up and feels great on Friday, handles the travel okay, handles the cold and the warm-ups on Saturday and he can go, great, that's a bonus. And now you've got an option. I would expect you'd see both in the game. This feels like going into the NC State game with the major exception of the fact there's an injury factored in here. Eric Dungey was healthy coming off of North Carolina, mostly healthy, and going into NC State. That wasn't really a consideration. They both had a good week of practice and split the reps evenly. This week, the the reps are not split evenly. Uh, Tommy DeVito is getting the bulk of them so that uh, he is going to be mentally prepared to go. And maybe there's more in the game plan than we've seen uh, for Tommy DeVito up until this point. So uh, there's some options. want to hit a couple of things here and what it has to do here with this game being on, you know, it's another nationally televised game. It's another game that's the big stage, and that's where Dino Babers felt like the younger players on the team. He didn't name names, although last night in his on his radio show and rattling off the situations where maybe underclassmen made mistakes. The most obvious one is Taj Harris, who's a, a promising freshman wide receiver. He catches the ball going over the middle on a nice ball uh, from DeVito, but immediately gets popped. It turns into an interception. Uh, one of the four giveaways that the Orange had in that game against Notre Dame. The upperclassmen let down the seniors on Saturday in New York, something he's hoping to avoid, and maybe the team could make amends for this week. It was a big blow. It was a big blow because we didn't play well. We didn't play well. And and uh, Notre Dame was really, really good, and they played really, really well. You know, that's a fantastic football team. I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm not sure we could beat them if we played well. We're just so disappointed that we didn't even get an opportunity. We had an opportunity, but we didn't match the opportunity of playing well on that stage. So that was very disappointing. And when you look across it, it seemed like a lot of the younger players didn't play as well as the older players played. And that's disappointing for the seniors because it was such an opportunity for them and that opportunity will never come again. Now those freshmen and those sophomores, they're going to have another opportunity. And I told them on Sunday, they owe it to the seniors that the next time that we get on a stage like that, we put a better foot forward. And I invited all the seniors to come back. I don't know when that stage is going to be. I don't know when that game is going to happen, but it's going to happen. And when it does, we want all those seniors to come back and we want to play better. And if things work out, they're going to get a lot of the credit for it because I thought that the underbelly really kind of let the, the, the upper part of the team down. Well, we can come back a little bit on that in that, yes, will an opportunity exactly like existed Saturday? Yeah, it'll be a while before the Orange are again ranked in the top 12, taking on a team that's undefeated and number three on national television in a, you know, on a big stage like New York and Yankee Stadium. But this game is a pretty big deal against the team that's just outside the rankings that also wants second place in the division that 
wants to finish with eight wins. We heard from John Mita Perel, our Boston College counterpart, yesterday that the consensus goal for this season for Boston College was nine wins, which means they would need to win Saturday and a bowl game. Uh, for Syracuse to, to do that, it would get to 10 wins, which would be the first time since 2001. So there is certainly something at stake. There's still an opportunity for, as Babers refers to it, the underbelly of the team to do something to support the seniors and help the cause here. And maybe Tommy DeVito's a guy who does that if he has to play major minutes, and we're expecting that he will. Maybe he bails out the upperclassmen in a way and continues to make this a, a truly special season. So that's among what's on the line Saturday in Chestnut Hill. Former BC recruit, offensive lineman who came here to Syracuse and went on to the Baltimore Ravens, Adam Terry will join us in just a few minutes. We'll visit with Adam about his recent trip to Baltimore and his thoughts on this game as well. You're in the booth, brought to you by CH Insurance. You can call us later in the show if you'd like at 315-437-7644 or 4ESPN44. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. You're in the booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the Booth on ESPN Radio, brought to you by CH Insurance. On this day before, the Feast of Thanksgiving, day of Colgate basketball in the Dome with a 7 o'clock tip. We'll be on the air 5.30 on TK99. Looking forward to that. We'll be on the air at 10 o'clock Saturday from Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts, Alumni Stadium. Adam Terry will join us on the call of the game. Adam, happy Thanksgiving and uh, looking forward to the weekend, my friend. Happy Thanksgiving to you, and uh, it'll be a very cold weekend, it looks like, out in Chestnut Hill. It will. Uh, I meant to ask the guys. Well, I know they practice outside, so it was not really worth asking. But uh, as I pulled up in the football complex today, awfully, uh, you know, the snow flurries had just started to come out. It looked like football. But the guys were walking out of the indoor facility. So I think they maybe they did a little bit of both. But you have to, you don't have to, but it's convenient to cut through the indoor facility on your way back from the uh, the outdoor practice field. So that's that's where they were coming in from. But Coach Babers was dressed as if he'd been uh, outside. <laughs> you got to do well, it, right? You have to, have to prepare yeah, I mean, for those conditions. When you look at a situation like that, there might be a few instances where you want some clean looks. You know, it might be against a blitz period. It might be against uh, inside drill where you just really want clean looks of film and then you bring them back outside for – for some more of the team periods at the end of practice so they get to see, you know, hey, a sequence of 28, 30 plays of it being cold and how that affects the body uh, when you impact somebody because in the, dead, in the dead of winter and it being cold, those hits last a lot longer than if you are during the summer. So let's back up a little bit. Tell me about your trip to Baltimore for uh, your reunion with your guys from the 08 team and a close win by the Ravens against the Bengals. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, it was an opportunity to go back and kind of uh, relive the glory days of, you know, Baltimore. They they haven't really been that successful uh, in the past few years. Granted, they won the Super Bowl, that success. But, you know, I was in an era where if you didn't make it to the second round of the playoffs, that was, uh, it was a travesty and a disappointment for the city. But uh, they're going to be significantly better. You look at Lamar Jackson and what he brings to the table. I don't think he's extremely polished yet, but uh, talking with the guys, there's a buzz around it. But uh, personally, it was just great to get back. I was able to throw the football on the field after the game with my kids, so that was a highlight. 
and then just being around the, the, the players and, you know, you get to hang around with Ray Lewis. And before the game, I was able to hang around with Jonathan Ogden, who we spent, you know, a lot of time uh, together, which, you know, brings up an a interesting point. I don't, I don't know, pro- probably Paulie might know this, but I didn't know this, that if you're a Hall of Fame inductee, you get your own pass, you can go to any game, and you get to stand on the field. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought, you know, as I'm talking with J.O., we're like, hey, we got these cool player passes. He's like, well, I kind of got this uh, bust out in Canton, plus I get to wear one of these things. And well, we were like, okay, you trumped us. Golden but ticket. Overall, overall, it was a great experience. They did a top-notch job, Baltimore did, and uh, it'd be great to see – now, Syracuse was able to do it this past year, but it'd be great to see Syracuse do a little bit more of that and bring some of these uh, teams back. Well, right, as a team, because that's a little different, isn't it? The idea that if you come, you know, individuals get honored here and there, but when you come back with your teammates, the guys that you put in the practice time and the meeting time in the classrooms and you were recruited with, then it's sort of a built-in uh, reunion, obviously, to get a group that big together and uh, ensures everybody has a good time and, and cycles up those memories. Oh, and it just, it doesn't, it, you didn't skip a beat. You know, some of the inside jokes that we talked about back then and, you know, we laughed, you know, these, these had us bending over crying because, you know, you're, you're sitting there and you're like, you pop a one liner out and you're just like, are, are you for real? Like I completely forgot about that. And, you know, busting on the coaches and other players. It was, it was a good experience. And then I have a family too. So my wife was able to go back and be with a lot of her girlfriends that, uh, you know, we were young and everybody was getting married and having kids. So some of the guys hadn't seen my, my youngest daughter yet. Some had seen my older two boys, but just to go into an environment like that, uh, they rolled out the red carpet and, it, really, it's about the camaraderie. You talk about football and what it's about, and you see how Syracuse has grown by having a tight-knit group of individuals, and that that attributes to a lot of success in different sports and different levels, and that's what I really came away from was a tight-knit group of guys that were in there for, for one specific goal. And, you know, I didn't get to win a Super Bowl, but that was the AFC Championship, AFC, AFC championship year that uh, Pittsburgh beat us, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's well, it's great uh, to have uh, those memories, and happy for you to, to have a fun weekend back with the guys, and uh, maybe you'll be back for the 20th anniversary or the 25th down the road, and uh, and who knows what uh, those very you know some of those people where they'll be at the time. But it looks like a changing a guard there in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson uh, didn't have the greatest game passing, threw for 150 yards, but ran for over 100 yards. Gus Edwards ran for over 100 yards as well as they clipped the Bengals uh, on Sunday, both of those teams 5-5. Five and five. All right, back to uh, Syracuse with Adam Terry. And you know BC and this program, and you know Coach Adazio really well, Adam, going back to the time of your recruitment. What have you seen in your study of uh, BC this year? And do you agree with uh, what Coach Baber said, which is pretty much they – have continued or pick up where they left off last year when they really rolled over the orange and the dome. Yeah, they, they do. I mean, first you've got to look at the offensive defensive line and they're hard, hard nosed blue collar guys defensively at the defensive end position. They have the number two tandem behind Syracuse right now in sack total. And then offensively, 
they've got a bunch of guys that fit the mold of, hey, you can project two or three of them into the NFL um, always. You know, and Steve Adazio has, has jumped on that train and been able to, he's an offensive line coach himself back in the day and knows the New England area extremely well, has been able to recruit the type of guy that he wants. And, uh, you know, so the buck stops on the offense and defensive line. And, and when you look at offensively, uh, A.J. Dillon is, you know, he's been banged up a little bit this year, missed two or three games, but he's, he's the guy that Syracuse has to stop. And he's who ran all over us last year. So if it gets into a really, really cold game with a windy atmosphere, it's going to come down to can they run the football for Syracuse and can they stop the run. And when you're facing you know, play, you know the idea of stopping the run, and it's AJ Dillon. Nobody's really stopped him yet. It looks like the uh, the two games where he didn't rush for a hundred that come to mind right away. Forget about really early in the season when they were you know beating people, but they lost to you know Clemson. He ran something like sixteen for sixty nine, and lost uh, to Purdue uh, as well. He uh, didn't run the ball there. And those, to me, had more to do with game conditions, really, than anything else. So one of the ways that Syracuse could keep A.J. Dillon from being a factor and from running the football is to get up on them. You know, if you're up 14 nothing or 17 or something like that, then uh, you have to force B.C. to throw the ball a little bit, right? Yeah, and the thing about B.C. right now is they're going to control the time of possession and Syracuse is going to have to put up points. Uh, with Syracuse, the question is, you know, I, I I haven't heard anything, but is it Dungy or DeVito? Regardless, it's going to be a combination of both. If if Dungy is healthy and gets into the game, you're going to probably see a little bit of DeVito, just in the natural sense of, you know, you're, you're really one play of getting banged up and, and not being able to go out there. But, you know, just like you said, they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit. I think Syracuse against Notre Dame, was able to run the ball a little bit more effectively than my expectation because Notre Dame went out there and they tried to stop the pass. So it'll be interesting to see what defensively uh, BC is trying to key on um, in a game like this. Especially because I think Syracuse changes itself or can reinvent itself from one week to the next offensively, and they may have to out of necessity this time around with Tommy DeVito. DeVito's strength is throwing the football – it was no coincidence that when he came in, they started slinging it. Literally on the first play, they threw deep. So what do you see, Adam, in terms of how different the packages are uh, from one quarterback to the next? And does it round out the offense a little? I don't. Maybe there is some way for Dungey to play in this game, but uh, now if they use the skills of both or if DeVito uh, develops any further, does it round out the offense even more? Well, I think, I think you're going to look at a, a situation where it takes away <clears throat> a little bit of what Syracuse has been known for right now um, as far as everybody knows them as a passing team, but th- this year they've uh, actually rushed the, rushed the ball more in attempts than they did in the previous year. So you look at that and that being a dungy-type role. So if I'm looking at it, Syracuse is going to, kind of stretch the field, which then opens up that draw game for a Mo Neal screen game for a Dante, for a Dante Strickland. So uh, really, I think it limits Syracuse maybe 10 more attempts a game, and usually that was the quarterback keeping the ball. So it'll be interesting to see, is it an extended handoff? Do they go to that bubble screen, or do they start to look in the middle with that pass rush coming up 
on the outside to be able to dump it off to uh, a Sean Riley, Nakeem Johnson on the middle screen or uh, a bona fide halfback screen with uh, Dante Strickland being the recipient of that catch. Okay, looking forward to uh, seeing how that all shakes out on Saturday. First things first, Thursday's a big, important game day. Uh, what's your go-to, Adam? I, I know you and I are probably not selective around the uh, Thanksgiving buffet, but but what do you have to make sure gets on your plate? I mean, it's it's turkey. Got to go on it. My so my wife will go a little overboard, and, and she admits <laughs> to it. You know, we probably only had ten people come in, but she'll cook for forty. Nice. Um, you know, and don't be afraid to uh, pack up some of those leftovers if you want to. Well, yeah, you know, we might have to bring some out. You know, I might <laughs> have to reheat it on the way out, but. You're, I'm looking turkey, you know, some stuffing. She'll make that from scratch. Uh, cranberry sauce, you know, I'm, I'm into that. Uh, and then all of the other fixings. She'll have the rolls and the salad. She'll have probably four different salads. But, um, yeah, no, pretty pretty straightforward, nothing crazy. Her brother will cook a ham. He'll bring that over. So, really, the, the, the first time that I pick my head up off the plate will be for the first power nap of the day. <laughs> I like it. All right, good. Then there's football, too. It's a perfect holiday. So, Adam, thanks for your time, and uh, safe travels. We'll see you in Boston, okay? Sounds good. See you then, guys. Adam Terry, happy Thanksgiving to the Terry household. When we come back, do we care with Tommy? Bob Wischusen has the game on uh, ESPN uh, doing the play-by-play on Saturday from Boston. We'll visit with him later in the show as well. You're in the booth on ESPN Radio. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care So the Phil Mickelson versus Tiger Woods matchup is this Friday, and there has already been a side bet placed, an additional wager on top of the $9 million for this uh, matchup. Phil bet Tiger... $100,000 that he would birdie the first hole of this. Tiger said, all right, let's double that and do it. So it's a $20 or $200,000 side bet right off the bat of first hole, Phil Mickelson birdies it. That's very Phil, and uh, then Tiger doubles it. So uh, they're playing right to their brand at this point. And, you know, I, I don't know what time this starts. I've kind of written it off because it's a travel day for us, so I, I doubt I'm going to get to see it. I would absolutely watch this. If I was at home, I love golf. Uh, certainly a matchup between these two guys is appealing, except it's not as cool as it could be. They're not putting up any of their own money. It's Besides two, this, I think this is. Two really rich guys that are... Uh, I think, I was talking about this earlier, I think they're going to do this on every hole. I bet you I hope so. I yeah, bet it could be side bets like come up every hole. Yeah, and, and I hope they do some silly stuff that hackers do. You know, that that would be one way to kind of make this special I think and sort of unique for everybody if they are in the same spot on a long par four or something and they say all right closest to the pin from right here sure or you know you could do that on a par three too obviously where you'd be on equal footing and and bunch of things like that or you know I bet you missed the green from here stuff like that then I think there could be something to it I go back and forth on whether these guys are likable you know Tiger's an incredible competitor he's not an awesome uh, human being. He's become a better one. He's You can't deny his place in the game and how good a player he's, he's arguably the best ever player. Phil Mickelson is a tremendous people person and all that, but there's some thought that it's not you know, completely genuine. And you know, Paulie and I are watching, I think, this press conference with these two last night. We're getting ready for the Babers show, and the sound is off, so we're not taking in the full experience. But when you look up at the screen and you see Phil Mickelson with a wad of Benjamins in his pocket, like it's hard to really 
identify uh, with these guys, but it's it's just two insanely rich competitors doing their thing. Uh, to me, it makes for good TV, and, and I hope they execute it well. Are you a Tiger Phil guy? Of you the two, I yeah. guess Tiger. I mean, you know, in terms of respect for what I obviously respect what both of them have sure. accomplished. Uh, you know, Tiger has meant more to growing the game and that type of thing and building it, but Phil has a huge fan following, is super popular. Uh, you know, I just think he's such a dork, and he, I, I don't know. <laughs> But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing it. I wish maybe I'll watch it on replay or something. I don't know. I believe but, it's three o'clock on Friday. Yeah, that, that's right when we're yeah right when we're traveling. Maybe we, I don't know if I can get it on my phone or something. I'll try to do that. So Mitch Trubisky has been ruled out for the Bears, and they're playing in the early Thanksgiving game tomorrow, twelve thirty against the Lions. So we get the uh, the gift of Chase Daniel starting against Matthew Stafford to start our Thanksgiving. Chase Daniel has, this will be his third start of his career. He's thrown for one touchdown. He's made $26.6 million. He might have the best job in the league. You know, when, when people say that, like, that's not his job. I mean, he's paid for what he might be called upon to do, and is it turned? this is just the way it's sort of turned out. Nobody says, hey, we're paying you $26 million and you're going to hold a clipboard uh, for your entire career. He's... Um, He's an insurance policy, et cetera, et cetera. And I tip my cap to the guy. You look at like a Ryan Nassib spent his whole career as a backup and pretty much never saw the no. field, you know, and that some guys can get caught up in that where it happens. They're not good enough to be starters on a regular basis. They're just fill in guys. Chase Daniels done it. That's what a backup quarterback gets paid, I guess. He had a tremendous college career at Missouri, was incredibly productive, and uh, it's just sort of the way this is has worked out for him. And we've seen like, the guy in San Francisco and a couple other you know, no-name people that have come out of the woodwork this year to, to sort of fill in. I think it's hard to do that at quarterback in the National Football League, but not completely impossible that uh, Daniel could get it going here for a one- or two-week basis, uh, filling in for Trubisky on a team that has plenty of good talent around him. One that really comes to mind is Matt Flynn, who did this a couple years ago with the uh, Packers. I think he was backing up to Rodgers and threw for like five touchdowns against the Lions. Actually, made him made like ten million dollars. Got a big contract from the Seahawks next year to be their starting quarterback. But then they obviously they drafted Russell Wilson and beat him out. But right. that was another another guy who one game he was able to earn himself ten million dollars. That's not something that Chase Daniel has had because he's only had two starts and really hasn't performed well in those. But he has been able to make a career out of being a backup. Yeah, I think typically somewhere in there you see somebody. They flashed to the extent yeah. where somebody took a shot, and that shot was probably wrong or or an overbid. And uh, looks like that may happen to Daniel, but certainly in the case of, of Flynn, that's what you had. I yep. wonder if Nick Mullins could be that guy, the guy in 49ers, the 49ers that you mentioned. He's really played well, and know. it was on Monday Night Football. So and I mean, didn't he got play a national... snap until uh, Garoppolo went out. So, yeah, uh, you know, more power to him. He's done well. Um, so we're gonna go with a little G-rated version of this. Kill like Mary, a little Thanksgiving edition. Turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing. You know, for me, Mary has to be turkey. I I need to have turkey sandwiches in my life, you know. Okay. I, have a, I have a turkey sandwich every week. I love Thanksgiving turkey, the real deal. I love the leftover turkey sandwich the next day sure. when it's cold. you got you got to have that. So day after Christmas, the day after Thanksgiving, that turkey sandwich is delightful. Um, mashed potatoes are obviously a staple I'm going to bump them down the list here to kill. Wow. Because 
stuffing. I mean, I, if you're talking about on Thanksgiving, you know, yes. th- stuffing is a unique Thanksgiving thing. So on Thanksgiving Day, I absolutely have to have stuffing. Mashed potatoes can have any comes day. or goes at other times of the year. Exact same lineup. Wow, as Matt. I I was going merry mashed potatoes, especially with gravy. That's included, obviously. I'm going merry mashed potatoes. Not a big gravy guy. It's, I think I'm killing stuffing too, and I'm a stuffing stuffing fan. But I think I, I th- the turkey and the mashed potatoes outweighs it for that for that Thanksgiving leftover. You're banned, you're banned from the <laughs> studio yeah. from the leftover turkey sandwich. Are you are you stockpiling the mashed potatoes and uh, stuffing uh, no, on it? No, no. You know, I, I, like I don't really go out of my way for mashed potatoes. They're they're just fine. Uh, no, the t- the next day turkey sandwich is. Uh, you take the bread or a roll. Something's got to have some substance to it because the the turkey's going to be heavy. Um, I go with. I might even like the canned cranberry sauce, either real or That's canned. But the canned, you you kind of slice it off yep. and put Can's it on better. there. In that case, I think right. Yeah, it's one I of the things where where fake way. is better than better than real. So you take the can, you just slice a little thing in there. You can put that on the bottom. Then you can pile up your turkey. Now just give me a shot of uh, you know mustard. Some people maybe would do mayo Gravy? there. I'm not a huge gravy person. No. Um, no, I'm not telling you. You can. I could see no, where no, some no. would like it. Uh, jam that together and, and go from there. So basically just the turkey, the cranberry, uh, maybe just a shot of, of some kind of condiment there and be done with it. Because it's a sponsor, I want to tell you about something that happened to me last night in my okay. life. I had a, a food life-changing moment at the Press Room Pub last night. Wow. The, pot, ro- the pot roast burger. It was one of the best burgers I have ever had in my really? life. It was a cheddar cheeseburger, two slices of pot roast on top of the burger and the cheese, deep fried carrots, gravy fries on top of that bun. Wow. Wow. So it doesn't it sound like, like a great to-go play. That's that's always your move is the to-go. It was it was life-changing. I, I okay. couldn't stop Did eating. the carrots like melt? In the deep fry? No, they were no. breaded. They were stripped out. It was I it was like having really a pot soft. roast. Okay, was, very yeah. cool. I'll have to check that out. You said they called it the stew burger or something. The roast, the roast burger. Roast burger. Okay, we'll try that at Press Room Pub. Thanks to everybody at Press Room for hosting us this year. They did a great job as the new site of the Dino Baber Show. All right, I was, did you guys win trivia? I was interested. <laughs> I was listening last night. Did you guys win trivia tonight? We might have. But I think between the two of us, we would be a force to be reckoned yeah. with between Coach Babers and I, me. I got the first three questions right in my head before we were, uh, as I was leaving. I never even heard any of the actual questions. So was, maybe uh, hit us with those during the How round. long was Coach Babers here? They were kind I want to save a little time of the for. Senate. Uh, okay. It was so, a Q's. Theme trivia? No, it was just so. everything. Oh, Members oh, okay. of the Senate. Let's save a little time for Bob with shoes and you oh, can hit us with the trivia during the break. Yeah, we teased that on the show a while, but if you guys listened once in a while, then maybe we would. I, was just, I just read the sheet. Okay. <laughs> All right, back with that as we roll along in the booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the Booth on ESPN Radio brought to you by CH Insurance. Just another few minutes here, and we thought we'd spend those minutes with Bob with shoes of ESPN. He's got the call of Saturday's game at his alma mater, Boston College. Hello, Bob. How are you? I'm a show closer in the yes, booth. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Wow. We're, Man. We bring in only the heaviest of hitters to this shut the door. This is a zenith of, of a career for me. This is amazing. Absolutely. Well, following that American Hockey League promo, too. I mean, you, yeah. you, you know you throw out the records when the uh, – Crunch, Syracuse Crunch, and the Binghamton, whatever they are now, Binghamton Senators, <laughs> <laughs> when they get together. 
stats don't matter when the whatever they now get together yes. with Syracuse. Yes, I know you're a big Hershey Bears fan, but uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting into crunch uh, season here before before, uh, before basketball gets too crazy. You might swing over to a crunch game. Uh, there you go. How about you, my friend? Any Before we get into the football, any quick uh, college basketball observations? I know you had the games at Barclays there where St. John's remained unbeaten winning that tournament. Yeah, I mean, St. John's is, you know, and this is going back, I'm sure there are some folks in Syracuse that still care about, you know, the old Mm -hmm. St. John's days. Um, They are really, really, really thin, Mm -hmm. but at the top of the depth chart, really talented. You know, like Mustafa Heron and Shamori Pons will probably both end up averaging in the upper teens to low 20s points per game. And uh, But if either of those guys gets hurt, I mean, you know, they'll be off a cliff. Like, they play seven, maximum eight guys. So they have to stay healthy. But they could beat anybody if they stay healthy. They're just not real big and strong. You know, they're like kind of a positionless team. But they're fun to watch. Maury Pons is a fun player to watch. He was on the uh, Syracuse recruiting board uh, back in the day, and uh, you can understand why because he's got a lot of skill. Uh, All right, football-wise, I know you spent some time talking today with the uh, Syracuse coaches, as did I, ducking in on Coach Babers uh, this morning just before your call. And uh, I don't know how to necessarily characterize his, uh, I guess, handling of the quarterback situation here, but it seems pretty clear that their agenda is to prepare Tommy DeVito as best they can for the weekend and then hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he you know, was not giving us any insight into whether or not there was any chance that Dungy was going to play. Um, and I told him, even as a BC alum, you know, I, I'm much more, you know, interested in us having a fun broadcast and a good game and a competitive game. And while it certainly seems like DeVito's the future at the position, and I think they feel like next year with a full off season to prepare as the no doubt about it, taking all the number one reps starter, that they might even be a better team next year than they are right now. And maybe his toolbox is even more complete long-term than what Dungy is. Dungy's just got guts. And I would hate to see that his, uh, I, you know, that's a kid who I think he deserves to have his career end on the field. I would hate to think that he's going to end his career, you know, standing on the sideline in a sweatsuit watching somebody else play. That would stink. So I'm hoping he plays. Um, it seems like at least for this week, that's probably, you know, less likely to happen. I don't know, maybe he can even just be in shape enough to have a chance to play the bowl game because I think, you know, with all he's been through and the beating he has taken and the injuries he's fought through to be the quarterback um, and he just keeps on coming back, he deserves to finish his career playing. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. It's the same way that I view it. I I think it's no secret. We're not telling tales out of school here, but everybody saw him go off the field with minimal power and, and not return yep. at Yankee Stadium on Saturday. So he was a uh, one hurting cat. And I don't think this week the weather does him any favors or, or anything like that. So it would be a surprise to see him if he does come back. I know he has the respect of Steve Adazio. I know he'd be able to, to do the best he could to get something done on the field. But I do think there's benefit. And you're around the NFL every week, Bob, with the Jets. There's benefit this time around if it is DeVito Unlike, you know, he may have started the NC State game. It didn't turn out that way. But you know going in, you can plan for it. So he has less of a playbook, but you can figure out exactly what you like best in that playbook with him. And you have limited hours to practice, you know, even less hours to practice in college than you do in the pros to get a quarterback ready. So, I mean, these coaches want to win these games. So they're going to get the number one guy, the vast majority of the reps, in practice, and the vast majority of the attention paid to that guy in the meeting room, 
in the limited time that you have to get these guys ready for a game, there's no question that when a quarterback starts on you know, Sunday heading towards next week's game knowing he's going to be the starter, that you're more prepared the following Saturday to go out there and play and probably feel a little more confident than you know, if you take 20% of the reps, 10% of the reps, and um, you know, the entire game plan is built around what the other guy does well. Sure. So yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I think best case scenario for them if they you know if Dungey can't go is knowing as early as possible in the week that that's just not going to happen and making sure that you you know you get Devito ready. And I agree. And Devito's from down your way, Don Bosco Prep. He's played at a high level through high school. He told us the other night he really takes film study seriously, game planning seriously. And I think the more time that he has, the that the better. All right, quick uh, scouting report on BC with Bob with Susan and. Bob, uh, this is a team that because so many of these guys played as as freshmen last year, they've got personnel that feels like it's been around a while. Do you see A.J. Dillon uh, continuing to be a difference maker in this game? Yeah, he has to be. I mean, there's no, you know, it's no mystery how B.C. wants to play. Um, Their wide receivers are okay. Um, They've got guys that are, generally speaking, like B.C. wide receivers usually are possession guys. Um, they don't really have, you know, take the top off the defense speed. So if they're going to get somebody deep and get a chunk play, it's because they misdirect you and play action works. Well, play action works because A.J. Dillon runs the ball. Um, so, and they've got like 17 tight ends listed on their <laughs> roster, and they throw to them too. So, you know, I mean, it's you, some teams will morph their game plan. Some teams will be chameleon-like. Some teams will change up, and all of a sudden you'll see something that you haven't seen before. You're not going to see anything out of BC you haven't seen before. They're going to run A.J. Dillon. Once in a while, they're going to try to play action you and slip guys behind your linebackers because you're afraid that A.J. Dillon is going to dump truck you if you don't get up um, near the line of scrimmage to stop him. And if Dillon runs well, and then you can use play action, then they're effective. And if you can somehow get around Dillon's ankles and get him on the ground and force third and eight and third and nine, then they are probably as ill-equipped to handle those long down and distances, you know, as any opponent Syracuse is going to have. So that's it. I mean, they're going to try and run Dylan, and they're going to try and play action over the top behind him. Okay, Bob, uh, great stuff as always. Let us know if you need anything. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, and we'll see you on Saturday, okay? I look forward to our tearful reunion in a few days. Yes, well, we'll then we'll at least know the result of that crunch B-Sends game, so we oh, can commiserate please, over that. Yeah. I'll be following. <laughs> okay, I'm sure you will. Thank you. Bob Susan of uh, ESPN does an awesome job, super guy, and uh, a BC alum. So he's got his alma mater uh, for his job coming Saturday. All right, that'll do it for us today. We thank uh, Tommy and Polly for their work here behind the scenes. We hope everybody has a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. See you tonight on the radio from the Dome as the Orange take on Colgate. Football Saturday at BC.